This is NRL Boom Rookies. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Boom Rookies. I am Matt Bungard and alongside me, as always, Nick Campton. Hello. Hello. We're still working that one out. Still We're workshopping still what my are. intro phrase is going to be. But mm. uh, we'll get there, God willing. Yep. Uh, and joining us to preview all things uh, Penrith Panthers, our good friend, uh, diehard Panthers fan. Uh, what, what else? I mean, NBA super fan. Uh, oh, I thought you forgot my name for a second. That's what that <laughs> no, no, no. I was trying to think of more qualifiers for you. Like full-time Twitter troll. Um, Internet and- renaissance man. And uh, and uh, creator of Beyond the Fence, which is where you can check out most of his contact, uh, Ben Quagliata. Welcome. Fellas, it's good to be here. Nick, congratulations on the new gig, my formal congratulations. Yes, it was a, a bloody coup with uh, very few survivors, but I've clawed my way to the top. So thanks for that, Ben. This won't be forgotten. I survived. I'm like Littlefinger, just always hanging on. Um, yeah, so... Better with a pretty good Ben. That's 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 no secret. Um, it, I think it is interesting, and I guess we can start with the most obvious question. Um, no one really thought the players they lost after the twenty twenty one, like whilst they did lose some good players, I don't think anyone seriously thought that they were going to take a big step backwards. The discourse is a little bit different this time around. I thought Bill Kickout had a sensational season last year, but most importantly, Appy Corrissau was arguably your most important player in a lot of big games this year. So. Can you win three in a row? And do you see the team being as dominant as they have been over the past three years prior? I'll never I'll never say never to a three-peat. I mean, until... Well, I know the team is different, but until someone actually steps up and prove it in my mind, we're still going to be, you know, right there at the end. Obviously, Kairos has a huge loss, probably the biggest loss we've had, considering what he meant to the team since... I don't know, maybe since Preston Campbell left all those years ago. Because, like, the player, the Burton we lost is different to the Burton that Canterbury gained, if that makes sense. Because Burton was just a luxury center for us. He was not going to be the the 5'8 that he became at at the Bulldogs. So, yeah, Appy's obviously a huge loss. And as much as I love to meme my lord, Mitch Kenny, it's obviously going to be a step down creatively. He's a bigger body in the middle, but the problems that Penrith had before Appy came were always scoring points and that service from the middle, we rotated through a bunch of different guys like Sione Katoa, Wade Egan. Um, I'm blanking on others, but it was just an absolute shit carousel. Yeah, when they're, when, they're, when they're the standouts, it kind of tells you about a little bit about the rest. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, Mitch Rain. There's the other one. Oh, I forgot Rain that, season of, God. that yeah. season of Mitch Rain. So yeah, Appy really came in and it was just night and day. So uh, Outside of everyone else, he's obviously going to be the biggest loss, and that that's probably going to be our biggest question mark throughout the season. But I'm keen to see how Mitch goes full-time. Um, whether he's the long-term hooker, I don't know. There's a couple of young guys coming through after him that, I mean, I don't watch reserve grade. I don't pretend to really care that much about youth footy, but the, the people that do rave about Riley Smith, but he's probably still a few years away yet. So I guess we'll wait and see long-term, but this is Mitch's chance to shine. I'm really interested to see what they do with dummy half this year, because I think you're right. Like, I don't think it's the good move to rely on Mitch Kenny for a lot of creativity. I think in the back half of last year, he really sort of found his strengths and his strength is just like killing blokes pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> like we saw that in the first 20 of the grand final, like he was yeah. just smashing shit up. It was, it was great. And it was, and that really suits the Penrith style, which is so, so based around smashing shit up. But 
he just can't do what Api Korosau did for them. They're just totally different players. So I think it's not so much the pressure being on Mitch Kenny, because I think he's kind of a known commodity at this point. I think the guy that they're going to need a lot more from is Sonny Luke, who yeah, played, was... a li- yeah, played a little bit of footy last year. Uh, was, a, was a gun, an absolute gun junior, was on one of those Penrith 20s teams that won the comp and was really, really good. 15, I think. Yeah, yeah. And then just didn't lose his way, just got injured a fair bit. And uh, in 2021, I'm pretty sure he was playing Ron Massey Cup. Like he'd really sort of dropped down the ranks, but he got back into it last year. I thought he had some really nice touches in first grade here and there, particularly his first game against the Raiders. I thought he was really strong. And then he was awesome for the state cup team that went on and won the the state championship. I thought in the in the state championship final, I think he set up two tries. I think he scored one as well. I thought he's the best player on the field by miles. So he's a little bit of a mature age rookie. I think he's 26 or 27 this year. Yeah, he's he's around there. Well, he yeah. was in the fifth he was in the same junior class. It's like Pitcher Harrison or don't ask so. me to do maths, Ben. Like that's not what I'm here for, you know? But like he's the guy that I could see jumping out of dummy half and engaging the markers and linking with Kiri with Kiri with Cleary and Luai really well. So like I don't know how they'll sort of manage the minutes with with that, but I think getting that balance right is is maybe the most important thing for Penrith this year because just about everything else is really settled and really great, and we know exactly how good yeah. all of it is. So this is one of the very few unknowns, and I'm I'm really keen to see kind of what they do with it, where they want to go with it. What I find so funny is people like writing them out of their top fours on the basis of losing a couple of guys, which, I mean, people are entitled to their opinion, but to me, that just seems insane. Like, we saw them have games without Coruscant last year, but the sheer quality that they have with their forwards dominating everyone, with their halves being so good, with still so many great players in that back line, like, it might show itself a little bit more in those big games at the end of the season, but I can't imagine a world where they're going to take a step back on a week-to-week basis to the point where they still don't win, like... 15 or 16 games, which would usually be enough uh, to to get a team into the top four. Ben, I mean, to me, the, the the easiest comparison to make with what's going on is is the Storm losing Cameron Smith in the sense that whilst obviously Coruscant is not as good as Cameron Smith, it was the sense that they still just steamrolled teams during the regular season. And it was only sort of in the business end in a couple of key moments in a couple of big games where not having that experienced hand really showed itself. I mean, uh, do, do you feel the same way just in the sense that like, I mean, Mitch Kenny's probably going to be good enough to still win a boatload of games for you. It's just whether he can be the difference in some close finals games in September. I think the obvious solution is one that's been on the internet boards for years now, and that's just move Nathan Cleary to hooker. Of course. Yeah. What if he just played hooker and halfback at the same time? Oh, I was thinking promote Kurt Falls. Actually, even though he's only on like a train and trial now. No, like I think stylistically going back to Sonny Luke, he's the closest we've got at the moment to Appy. I'm pretty sure he was a halfback in lower grades anyway or coming through. He wasn't actually a hooker. He just obviously got stuck behind two generational halves for the Panthers at the same time in Luai and Cleary. So him playing first grade there was never on the cards. Um, I don't know what the long-term thing's going to be for this season because last year, towards the end of the season, Ivan started doing that weird thing of starting Kenny just to to pulp teams throughout the middle, like just be that blunt battering ram, and then Abby would come on, and that's when the game was really won. It was more just don't lose the game in the first 20 rather than try and win it. Uh, probably not going to happen this year. I don't think they're going to rely too much on... I, I still think Mitch is probably going to be at least a 
60 minute player because even then he plays some middle forward and they might look to rest Yo at some points throughout the season to keep his workload lighter because I imagine he's probably going to have some increased responsibility through the middle as well now that the creativity of Coruscant's lost. Um, but to the the Cameron Smith thing, I think influentially, yes, it is similar. I'm not going to compare the two of them. Obviously, that's just do it, do it. <laughs> that's disrespectful. Stoke the fires, bro. <laughs> um, but Happy yeah, one like comes I... with two clubs. Cam Smith could never. That is true. Uh, it'll be a third this year. No, I'm not saying that. Um, <laughs> uh, no, but like like I said before, the way that Penrith just really matured in attack since he came in, mm. like such a clear buy of the season when it happened, just really shifted the narrative from a team that was kind of teetering on the edge of their um, capabilities, you know, not really sure what that potential was to like, holy shit, we finally actually got some something in the middle, but yeah, look, I I can't see us falling out of top four like in regular season. There's not going to be because what we finished first, first last year, first. Um, I don't know. like you forgot. Don't, don't, <laughs> I don't, don't do that. Don't do that, man. I'm just so humble. Um, I can't see four teams overtaking us based on no. lose like losing one of, out of a very very good spine as it is, even without him. Yeah, I, I, yeah, Nick, I'm curious to get your thoughts on that as well. I mean, again, look, uh, obviously, Coruscant and Kikau are both fantastic players. Replacing them is not easy. They might not be able to replace them fully, but surely they replace them to the extent that they are still going to be getting that extra chance in the in the finals at the absolute very least, if not even pushing to be the minor premiers once again. Oh, yeah, if you don't have them in your top four, you got rocks in your head. Yeah, like you're either trying to zag and when everyone else is zigging, or you're just sick of Penrith because they've been so good for so long. Like, come on, like, come on, guys. What are we doing here? Let's be serious for a second. I do, I do think they will take a bit of a step back. Yeah. You know, I don't think they'll be like the destroyer of worlds that they were last season. You know, I think I look back to 2021 when a lot of them played in that, um, played Origin together for the first time and it really took a toll on them. It really beat the shit out of them. You know what I mean? So I have the feeling that that's going to happen again just because they don't have the depth to sort of cover losing half a dozen blokes like they're probably going to, you know what I mean? So I'm I'm not expecting like a dazzling lose three games all season and then storm to yeah. grand final glory like we did last year. But yeah, of course they're in my top four. If they're not in your top four, I can't, I can't take you seriously. I think the biggest, the biggest thing for them apart from replacing Coruscant and replacing Kikau is going to be about their mentality. And so, something that I've been really impressed with, with Penrith over the last three years is, how winning has never, it just winning has never been enough. They always want to do more and more and more, but there is a point where that runs out, even for the greatest teams. There's a reason that for all the great teams we've seen over the last 40 years, no one's been able to go three in a row. And part of that is because you need things to go your way three years in a row with injuries and stuff like that. And that's tough, but also it's hard to get yourself up for the third year in a row. But I think where Penrith might be able to do that is if they, 100% steer into the steer into the heel stuff. You know what I mean? Which I think could happen. I think like the, the turn's been coming for a while and it's been a bit, it's been a bit uh, steady, but I think people are sick of Penrith. I think they're sick of Penrith winning. And I think they're starting to sort of turn against everything that this team's built and whether that's fair or whether that's right or wrong, mm doesn't really matter personally i think i think i think they're great i still really like watching i do them. too i think they're they're a really really good group of fellas to talk to as well I, I i understand why some of the stuff turns people off 
And sometimes it does go a little bit far, but that's just how it goes with young, crazy footy teams sometimes. But I think this is the year that they become like the Roosters used to be, like the Storm used to be, where people start just not liking them just because they're so good. And when when the public opinion turns against a team, a team can harness that and use it to their advantage. And they did that a little bit last year with the FEC stuff. That was mainly over the back half, the, the sort of very end of the year. But they can convert that into sort of a driving force for this whole season. Well, everyone hates us, so let's prove them all wrong. Let's stick it right up and, like, let's really show them how good we are and let's, like, let's make them cop it. Let's prove them wrong. People love that. People love spite. People love yeah. using that as a weapon. And I think Penrith could do that really effectively this year. I think I think it's something that in their, in their fourth year of being, like, an elite top-level every single week team. I think they got to take whatever motivation things they can get. And this one is just, it's just sitting there for them. So t- turn it up, turn it up. I want Nathan Cleary hitting people with steel chairs. Yeah. You know I, what mean, I mean, I want, I want Jerome Lua to, he's already at a hundred. I wanted it at 200. Like let's really go. Let's, let's like, I know villain era is a thing people say on the internet. I think Ben, I don't know, but get into your villain era. Like yeah. let's go. Well, Tie someone to the railroad tracks. Ben, Twill your moustache in an evil fashion. Dupe a brother out of his inheritance. Like, really get cartoonish. Yes, I agree. Ben, you are someone who watches a lot of American sports and consumes a lot of sort of online content. So, like, you more than a lot of Penrith fans have been kind of leaning into this stuff. But, like, it's just bizarre to me that so many of your fans want to simultaneously be crowned the best team that everyone thinks is the best team but also want everyone to root for them like they're the plucky underdog as well. I mean, you've, you don't, you haven't gone down that path, but a lot of your fans seem to, and I'm just wondering how I you can, if you want, I, I, I don't really <laughs> mind what you do. I, it, it's all performative, but it's just like, uh, how, how do you feel when you do, do you feel embarrassed by, by your fellow Penrith fans when you see the way some of them carry on at any slight towards anyone that is loosely associated with the Penrith Panthers football club? Uh, becoming sort of an online campaign. I mean, it is just truly bizarre to me. Like, if my team won back-to-back comps and was favourites to win a third, I could not give one solitary fuck what a bunch of, like, Sharks fans on Twitter think about my team. To be to be fair, well, okay, no, I don't give a shit, first of all. Um, never have. I wasn't, I wasn't even really in NRL Twitter until, like, a couple of years ago. So you can call me, like, just rocking up and we're good, and that's fair, and, like, whatever, I don't... I don't care. But if you're asking me to explain the rationality of a bunch of faceless like <laughs> Twitter profiles, it, I, what are we doing here? Like, Speak for your people, Ben. Yeah, ben <laughs> they're your they're your people. Technically, they're not because I'm not actually from Penrith. So, it's another bandwagon. But you are. But you are from the internet. I am from the internet, very much so. No, I think as with all of like to get to be serious, even though it's yeah. I know it's a, a joke question more or less. Um, I think it's just, as with everything like this, there's just a loud minority that likes to ham it up and argue about every little thing with, like, the ones that, you know, search names and like and on the Twitter search bar and then interact with everything that comes up, like, at repeat 21, 22, 23, whatever the fuck it is. I don't know. Um, no, I don't care. I would love the heel nature of it all. I think I was probably a bit more like hesitant in our first year. Cause, uh, oh, sorry. After the, um, 20 grand final, cause obviously we'd lost and it was like, well, shit, is this just, was it a flash in the pan? But now, yes, I, I am from the internet. I watch a lot of NBA. I like 
to use an NBA example, if Jerome Luai could turn into like, I don't know, Pat Beverly and just really lean into the daddy stuff, <laughs> I'd be all for it. Yeah. Um, I one other thing with this stuff is, is, is Nick Nick touched on it as well. Like we both really enjoy watching Penrith play and and have done, and I think we've both both in our writing and with things we've said on, on the internet been very complimentary towards the Panthers. Um, but some things I said after the grand final last year with about them me regarding this current crop of Penrith as being the best team that I can ever really remember in my lifetime got a lot of pushback from sort of especially the back in the my back in my day crowd hypothetically speaking, how many more comps in a row do you think you would need to win for someone to say you're better than like the 1986 Parramatta Reels? Seven. Seven more? See, I think, I think it's got to be 12. Oh, you're going to get to 12? They're going to get, get past those Dragons The Dragons. The yeah. dragon. <laughs> and then, like, then maybe it'll be... I don't know. Did you see the 74 Magpies? I don't oh, know. They were going on. <laughs> the Magpies were really good, so probably not. But yeah, I did remember... Yeah, I said they're the best in my lifetime, and someone goes, what about the Dragons in the 50s? Like, I wasn't alive because that's no excuse. I'm like... Yeah, you just write like a man beyond your years. Thank you. I'm a very, I am very mature with my with my language. I appreciate that compliment, Ben. Um, there, There's... You know, we, we talked a lot about Coruscant as a loss. We didn't really talk about Kikau. He's a guy that weirdly does, as far as Penrith players go, get a lot of disrespect from some people. Like some people call him a glorified decoy runner. A lot of people don't really who, who are these see people? all the who are see these all the good things that he does. But like to me, he was absolutely Name fantastic last year. Yeah, who are and these people? What's going on? To me, he was absolutely fantastic last year. And how how do you replace someone like that with who has such a unique skill set on that edge, Ben? Well, you don't. Um, I, well, especially not with Luke Garner and Zach Hosking. I'll tell you that for free. Um, to be fair, so Kikau, I think 2018, 2019. So I, he debuted quite late when he came down from the Cowboys. He didn't come in straight away. I think he sat a year in reserve grade. And then he came in and he was just this big athletic freak on the edge that we hadn't seen in God knows, like since maybe Frank Pritchard, I don't know. But the plan was just, get this dude the ball. And because he just got the ball so much, people thought he was better than what he was because he was just always on the highlight reels. And then he probably padded a few second row of the year awards because of that. But I think last year was comfortably his best season of his career. He's ball playing on the edge. He had he displayed some hands that I didn't know he had. Some of those you know, quick passing, which is a pretty key part of Penrith's left side attack. You know, from Luai to kick out and getting Tago and May or whoever it was on the outside involved, but also his defense because he was never really that. Well, second rows aren't really known for their deep defense anyway, but kick out really improved in some of the tackles he made, the desperation and the chasing. So when I saw, I'll back up your unnamed sources here. When I saw a couple of these comments saying, because kick out is obviously always going to be in and around the discussion for <clears throat> second row of the year and all that sort of stuff. And there were people throwing out guys like um, Isaiah Papali and uh, uh, others. I'm, I'm blanking. <laughs> uh, oh, um, Hudson Young. Like all whoever was in the finals. That, that's poor for me. I can't remember who it was. Okay, but I thought of all the years that Kikau had played, last year was the one where I thought he was the slam dunk second row of the year, a uh, uh, top two second row in the comp of all the seasons he played. And I can't remember if he won it or not. I don't think he did. I don't think he was in there in the end. But my point being, I think the the discourse around Kikau kind of pivoted a bit from overrated, oh, sorry, underrated, mm. getting all these awards uh, when he didn't deserve them to overrated when actually, no, he was 
a really key part of Penrith's attack, despite being on the edge and being used more as a decoy in the last couple of years than what he was when he first burst onto the scene. That being said, for the money that's been rumoured that he got from the Bulldogs, it was always going to be a luxury to keep him. And in the grand scheme of, I think the plan was probably to keep crying, so that didn't work out too well, did it? But in the grand scheme of things, that it was always probably the right time. We've gotten the best out of Kikau. We've gotten his peak. We weren't going to be the ones to pay that money for him. Um, I, I don't like that he's gone, but of all the luxury signings, I, I think it's probably a fair enough decision. And yeah. it is going to be hard to replace him. Like Garner, I think, is a perfectly fine vanilla back rower, but he's not Kikau. Like, let's be real. Yeah. I, I really like, Ben, that you touched on Kikau's defense last year because I think... I think that changed for him in the lead up to the 2021 title. And 2021, he had a he had a pretty poor year by his standards. But it was something changed in him maybe the last six weeks of the season. It was when he was going back to the bench and sort of playing about 60 minutes a game more than and a change from playing the 80, Pangai era, as we call the it, Pangai era. And Kickout turned into he was always great in attack and he could always hit all right, but he turned into someone who made a lot of second efforts defensively. And he'd really sort of push hard across field and really go after opposition halves. And if you watch that grand final in 2021, which Bungard, I know you you wouldn't have, but his his pressure on the South Sydney halves really makes a difference. There's a loose ball that he knocks out of Cody Walker, I think, when Souths are on the attack late, and it's a real sort of second effort play. It's a real it's a real gut check play. It's not a fancy, pretty attacking thing. It's like this guy's he's got to really have that dog in him to make this play. And he made it. And he I feel like he didn't really have that sort of stuff in him when he was younger. And then last year, like Ben said, we saw it all just come together. There's a lot of second rowers that can be tough defensively. There's a lot of second rowers that can like give you a nice touch in attack and throw a good pass and maybe even put a kick in. There's not a lot of guys who can do both, which is why what Ben said is right. Replacing him is kind of impossible because they might be able to bring in guys like Garner or Hoskins that you know run good lines and can make all their tackles and all that, but they're not going to have the X factor in attack that Kikau does. And that's something that Penrith rely on a lot because as good as they've been the last couple of years and as and as great as some of the footy is that they've played, their attack has relied a lot, not just on what Kikau does, but on what you can sort of build around him as 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 a decoy, because defenses are always so focused on him. So I think I think they'll start the year with Garner on that left edge. Mm. But I wouldn't mind seeing them do something like a little bit radical. Like Ben, what do you think? What do you think of this idea? I've been kicking this one around. I wonder if it's the same idea I was going to say, but you go is first. It, is it okay? Is it, is it what? Oh, I was going to say, is it Tango moving into the into the forward pack? Yes, it is. Yes, yes okay. it is. <laughs> played, he played a lot of second row. He was an he, edge growing up. Yeah, he yeah. was, and he was yeah, playing second really row recently as as twenty. 20 or 2021 while playing back row in he was in, kind of switching between yeah, the two so he can he he can do it he'd probably have to put a little bit of weight on he's quite but, yeah he's a lot smaller than i thought he was when he came through like compared yeah. to modern day second rowers but it's kind of like i would feel better if, if it was tago and either thomas jenkins and sunuya uh Teruvia at center than i would if it was garner and hoskins and then tago at center because i think like Teruvia. He's someone Penn said they're eye on for a while. Yep. We saw how good he was in a couple of games last year. He was really good in his appearances for Fiji as well. Yep. And Thomas Jenkins is someone I haven't seen as much of, but like he's just your classic big rangy center. And I'm kind of at the point with Penrith's juniors where if Penrith think they're good, like that's kind of enough for me. 
and they've liked Thomas Jenkins. He's another one of their country crew. So I, I would love to. I would love to have seen them. He'll never wear that. the maroon and gold of country origin. Oh, country or- he won't. He won't. It breaks me up inside. But I would have loved to have seen them try something mm. like that. You know, because I I think I think they need X Factor on that no. edge. I don't think just running good lines is going to be enough. Yeah. they're going to need something a little bit a little bit more. Yeah, that's exactly. I'm, that's exactly what I was going to say because my main worry with whoever they bring in, and it's the same with Martin on the other side, but we know what Martin is now, so I'm kind of not worried about him. But with Garner and Hosking, the, my worry is that when they get the ball, like kick out for as damaging as a runner he is, is equally as dangerous with the quick tap, touch passing and the offloading and all that. And I just worry that whoever's playing outside of Garner or Hosking or whoever it ends up being on the left, whether it's Tung or, or Jenkins or whoever, they just get starved of service. And I think Tung or stylistically has a bit of that flair in him. Like we saw there was a try against the dogs where he ran about 70 meters, faked a, a dummy, got Dufty out of position, got caught and just nice little yeah. flick pass. Like Garner hasn't got that sauce yeah, in him that yeah, Tungle Garner, does. Garner can, Garner can run like buggery. Like he could, he scored mm. a few tries from his own side of halfway. But there was another try that Tungo set up for Taylor May, I think it was against the Knights. It was one of the first games they played together. And Tungo sort of hit a hole, put on a bit of footwork, and then had a winger and a fullback converging on and poked a little grubber through for May yeah. and sat up beautifully. That's like, very, little, it's very instinctive. Like yeah, yeah, that's it. And given, I know Dylan Edwards is a is a better passer than he used to be. And he's become very capable at that, but you wouldn't say he's a pass first fullback no. by any means. So you no. need someone else in the team that can just get the ball moving. No, like Edwards will have edges. those moments where he does the little tap on and you go, oh, wow, that wasn't there five years ago, or three yeah, years ago, or, yeah. but it's still not a consistent part of his game. And that's well, it's, a, it's a luxury. You've said luxury a couple of times in this, on this show, like Dylan Edwards passing game coming into its own is a, is, is a luxury. You know what I mean? It's, it's like, yeah. it's the cherry on top. It's not the, it's not the Sunday. No, um, but no, I'm fully on board the uh, yeah. body type pending, the, the tongue or moving inside. Let's, and Let's yeah. the three of us draft a strongly worded letter to Ivan Cleary, outlining our plans for Isaac Tungo to play back row. Our plans or our demands? Okay, yeah, you know what? Demands. Demands. You're right. We've we've earned that, I feel. Would um, you say letter? I would say manifesto. Personal. <laughs> Ooh, a, uh, what about screed? I like Manifesto because it implies that Ben's going to do something crazy if he doesn't get his way. So, <laughs> I'm going to live good. stream it on Facebook and everything. Yeah. Jesus. Um, we talked, you did talk about a couple of guys there, Ben, but is there anyone that people might not be aware of who you think a, a, can be a young guy, doesn't have to be, that is going to be making a bigger impact in that first grade lineup than that hasn't really been there in the last couple of years? Well, if you look at our first team sheet for this weekend's trial like the entire back line is just full of the guys that i'm really keen to see maybe get a shot this year i'm not expecting any of them to really fully emerge this year because Crichton's obviously still there and we've seen with burton in the past they're not just going to kick him aside because he's on the way out but campo mentioned him thomas jenkins is one that the, the penrith folk just absolutely rave about him he's a really big unit playing at center he's got all the athleticism in the world from out where i think he's from Bathurst or Dubbo. I think he might be Dubbo. I think he's the same as Yo. But um, I'm I'm excited to excited to see him hopefully get a few more games this year because I think that outside back spot, that center spot when Crichton does go, that I think he's going to be first on the line to take it because he's just got that same body type that Crichton's got. He's something different from the rest of the Penrith back line. Um, 
The other one that's a little bit left field is Jack Cole, who's not playing in the trial this week, but he's kind of a Burton type in that he wears headgear as well as he's a centre 5'8 hybrid. He got a game last year in that reserve grade expedition Uh, up to Townsville. Um, A similar type of, you know, rangy ball player who can run outside, but also he's got the the halves background. So he's probably further away than Burton was at this stage of his career. And I don't expect him to kick on really, but Thomas Jenkins definitely is one that I'm, I'm really hopeful that we'll see some more of in first grade this year, maybe even in the first two rounds with um, Taylor May's delayed suspension. Um, Or even like everyone knows how much I love Sunia Taruva and, what he did for the World Cup for Fiji and even in the mid-year test for Fiji. I've been a big fan of his for a a year or so now, so definitely him as well. There's a couple more guys who are playing this weekend that, like, if you're a Panthers freak, you should keep your own. This Isaiah Yongi that they've got at the back. A lot of really Queensland reps in the under-19s. Riley Smith, who Ben mentioned a little bit earlier, I I saw him play in a schoolboy carnival a couple of years ago and his service probably wasn't quite there, but he's a really robust runner. Like think Brandon Smith, but before he sort of really learned how to pass. So he's someone that should keep an eye on as well. And then I only saw this guy a little bit in the reserve grade finals last year, John Fayumu. I'd never heard of him before. I I liked him, man. He's, He's big and he's mobile and he's got a pretty good turn of pace for a big unit. Like I think he's a bit older, but yeah, I think yeah, he scored he might, as he well. Might be, he might just be a shot at the stumps, but I, I did, I did like what I saw. So, even though we're talking about you know Penrith losing some guys, Penrith's thing now is people just all there's just fellas coming coming in from everywhere. Specifically, like they the just full, they just yeah. they just can't stop finding guys. Yeah, I, I couldn't even. I wanted to mention Yong as well, but I just couldn't because I think he's probably third in line at the moment to fullback. I think Taruva's got the shot at it first if. Edwards ever leaves, but yeah, mm. I, I don't know if he only will ever play for Penrith just because we're so deep. But yeah, I was really impressed with him in the Queensland side in the underage origin last year. It does suck that you just got so many good players. It that does. Can't all play for you. It does suck. Mm. Um, look, well, on that note, they do have the most good players and they're a good team. So I think they're going to finish first on the ladder. That's not a groundbreaking prediction, but uh, sometimes the most obvious answer is the correct one. I have them in third, but just because I think Origin will knock the shit out of them really badly. That's fair. And I think I could see them like going into Origin with one or two losses, then losing five out of six, and then surging home, and then deciding, you know what, we're the Panthers, and we know how this fucking finals bullshit works. We're resting three guys for the last two weeks. You know what I mean? And they slip down to third, but everyone's like, oh, yeah, they're still one of the teams to beat. I think that's more than reasonable. Ben? Yeah, I think we've just approached um, Golden State Warriors levels of just coasting regular seasons now. Um, <laughs> I, I'm gonna, I have a look. I'm gonna say third as well. I'm just gonna tail off what Campo said. I think that's fair enough. That's what this show's all about. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, yeah. Look, and we, uh, I guess, when we do a sort of thing at the end after we've done all these teams, we can do our predictions for the grand final and stuff. But they'll obviously be pretty close to it, if not involved. Once again, and they and they deserve to be. They've been a fantastic team for a very long time now. Uh, and I, re- despite losing two really really good players, I don't I don't see them getting hit too hard with the regression stick. And I, I think just from the last half hour, so you two guys agree with that. As well. Ben, is there anything else Penrith or not Penrith related you'd like to plug before we get out of here? Uh, well, uh, yeah, you mentioned it at the start, beyondthefence.com.au. 
I don't remember the last time I did something on there, but it's always there and I'm my own boss, so I can do stuff whenever I want. But if you're interested in non-footy stuff, there's heaps of different, or even some footy stuff, there's heaps mm. of different shit on there. And Sometimes I'm on the show. Sometimes you are. Mm. Maybe Nick can be this year. Who knows? He doesn't seem interested. I'm sorry. No, no, I was, I was waiting for the pitch. Sell me on here. <laughs> um, Sell an me hour on. to talk about why the Celtics are going to win the NBA finals. And well, they're going to win because the Celtics are the balls. Really. Well, that's it's obviously, not, that's, obviously that's true. There you go. Yeah. What have I just said that for an hour? That's true. But actually, Ben, why are you here? Who is going to win the NBA? Uh, for the sake of my better account, I hope it's the Memphis Grizzlies. You did the oh, because you got low because you got locked out. You did it too late and you got locked out of favorites. I see you couldn't do Celtics or Warriors. Yeah, and they were looking great up until Jar said some stupid shit and they started losing. Mm. Yes, well, for the sake of my better account, I hope it's the Celtics against the Warriors. And then he he pointed lasers at some Pacers blokes. Shouldn't do that. It's all gone to shit. Wait, there's a. I mean, I I don't pay attention to the NBA until NFL's over with. So, but there's a laser story. I'll need to catch up on that. That sounds very. Yeah. How, yeah. how crook is it? How crook is it? Twenty years ago, we had the malice in the palace. Like that's our. Now we got that's a bunch of spoiled sorted out zoomers. And now they're playing now with lasers. Zoomers with their TikToks and their B reels are shining lasers at each other. It was, that, it was actually associates. Like, it wasn't him himself. Oh, I'll t- okay. well, that's what you get in Joe Biden's America. That's <laughs> true. Lincoln. It's the future the Democrats want. All right, Ben, thank you very much for coming on. Uh, We'll talk to you again this year, I'm certain. Uh, Say goodbye. Thanks for having me on. And say goodbye, Nick. Bye, Nick. And it's goodbye from me.